We have been looking at Paul's letter to the churches of Galatia, and throughout his uh, letter, he has been attempting to correct their doctrinal error of thinking that that the law or keeping the law in any of its sense is not going to make you good enough to enter into heaven, that the only access is by grace through faith. And he's argued that by beginning the Spirit, we're to live in the Spirit, and that that that's one of the proofs that the Spirit comes to you not by the keeping of the law, but by faith. And then he goes and says that you have freedom, and that you were called in freedom in Christ. And before anyone can ask him the question, he kind of starts to answer it, and what we're going to take a look at. Because oftentimes what you will see is people will say, who are uncomfortable with salvation by grace, is that, well, does that mean that you can act any old way that you can? Well, number one, you start to misunderstand grace. Because first of all, you can never earn it, so you can never be good enough. So no matter how you do, as Jesus has said, there's no one good but God. And so he's going to now say, yes, we live by faith and you have freedom, but you also in that freedom have an opportunity to choose something. And he has kind of intimated before, you, there are, there's a better choice to be made. And so in verse 16 of, of chapter of 5, he says this, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. So Paul says, there are two ways to now go. You can continue to live in the flesh in sin, or you can, or you can start walking, living by the Spirit. And so he's going to contrast those two. But he's, Paul says, if you give me a choice, the choice I'm going to make is I'm going to walk in the Spirit, and I'm going to encourage you to walk in the Spirit. And now he's going to set out this opposition, verse 17. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. So Paul says, this isn't, you'd make a choice and then it's easy. He goes, no, the flesh and the Spirit war against each other. They're in opposition to each other because each of these have different goals for you. And it's interesting because he says they're in opposition to one another so that you may not do the things that you please. And I kept looking and I'm going, now who is he talking to? Is he talking to the people in flesh or is he talking to the people in the spirit? And the conclusion I came to was that he's speaking to both. What do I mean by that? If you are a believer, but you are walking in the flesh, you are uncomfortable because the spirit's there going, this isn't the right choice. This isn't how you should live. And so there's that conflict that, that you have when you are in the flesh, but a believer. And on the opposite side, when you're a believer and you're trying to live in the spirit, there are times that the flesh keeps saying, yeah, but it's fun to do that. Yeah, but it's fun. You can get away. God will forgive you. And so you're in opposite. So it's difficult when you're caught between these two warring factions, the spirit and the flesh, you just simply can't do what you are pleasing to do because each is going to pull you in opposite directions. But then he's going to, but, verse 18, 
If you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. So he's going to remind the church of Galatia and remind us that being led by the Spirit again continues us that we are not under the law. Now, the deeds of the flesh are evident. Now he's going to list a few things, but I want you to know the deeds, intentional or purposeful action. You've consciously made a decision to do these things. And these things are of the flesh, evident, obvious. No one has to talk about it. They are immorality, impurity, sensuality. The first part of the list kind of deals with sins against the body, if you will. And he lists those. And he talks about idolatry and sorcery, both kind of religious and magic type of abuse. Enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying. So he talks about interpersonal relationships and how those disintegrate. And those are the deeds of the flesh. That when you see those types of things happening, that's the flesh. And unfortunately, all too often, churches dissolve into those things. They have dissensions and disputes and factions which means that the Spirit isn't leading that congregation or those people. Envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these of which I forewarned you. Paul's saying, this is not the first time I've brought this up. I warned you about these types of deeds. Just as I have forewarned you that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Paul rarely talks about, quote-unquote, the kingdom of God, but he says, when people practice such things, it's probable that they're not in the Spirit, let alone being led by the Spirit. So people who are content living those, that type of life probably not going to inherit the kingdom of God. However, let me remind you, you're not the judge. The only thing you're supposed to judge is you. Do these things indicate in my life that I haven't trusted God? It's not so much of, oh, I, that person has that one and that person has that one. He's telling us how to live. He's telling us how to examine our lives, not to examine each other. So he's outlined a number of deeds, actions, that we know that if we do, are a part of the flesh. And again, some of these we might consider gross immoralities, but other things may simply be outbursts of anger. I hate that one. Because I go, okay, I'm not as perfect as I thought I was. You know, and, and those types of things. So we're to look at those things inwardly, but in contrast, comparing the deeds of the flesh, Paul's going to say, but the fruit, now notice in the other he said deeds, plural, but now he says fruit, he's talking about fruit, not fruits of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, and therefore he's going to do a long list of things, and so it's not like, okay, an apple and an orange and cherries and bananas, it's the fruit of the Spirit. 
which means you can't say, well, I have one or two of these things, and so I'm doing pretty good. The fruit of the Spirit is all-encompassing. The fruit isn't developed and ripe unless all of these things are included. And so he's going to say, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. So he lists a number of things, and we're going to take a look at these in the weeks to come. But if you were, and we're going to emphasize love, but if you notice in love, some of these things in the definition of love that Paul will give the Corinthians are kind of found in the definition of love. And so one of the ways that you know that you're being led by the Spirit is are these qualities in your life. I have a little pet peeve. There's a, there's a well-intentioned commercial and there's a well-intentioned phrase that a lot of people put on their bumper stickers. And it says, commit a random act of kindness. That's not a fruit of the Spirit. Be systematic in your kindness. It's not, okay, I'll be kind to this person, and I'll be kind to that person, and okay, I'll pick somebody else that I really don't like, and I'll be kind to them. No, a fruit of the Spirit is to be kind. And a fruit of the Spirit is to be kind, not intentionally, but because that's who you are. And you know, and you've seen people who have acted in certain ways and have treated you kindly, but you know they didn't want to, that it was a conscious act as opposed to their character. Paul is saying a fruit of the Spirit is that you should have these characteristics. And quite frankly, they're the same characteristics that Jesus had. And he says, against such things there is no law. And I'll give you an example. You cannot compel somebody to love, and you cannot compel somebody not to love. You cannot create a law that says you will not be kind or that you will be kind because they're internal, they're characteristics. So there is no law to this. This is evident and a result of the Holy Spirit dwelling in you and producing fruit. So he's going to say there are two ways to go. You can go by the flesh, or you can walk in the Spirit. But he says now, verse 24, Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Those who are His have made a choice. I have picked up my cross, and I'm going to die for my wants, my needs, my desires, my passions, and I'm going to surrender to the will of God and to be led by the Holy Spirit. Now, the sad thing is, the reality is that we must crucify ourselves, if not daily, almost hourly. Because this old man keeps rising up with its passions and its desires and what it wants to do. And we have to crucify it daily. 
But that is what a believer chooses to do because he knows that between the two choices, following Jesus is a far better choice. It is a far better choice to have kindness and peace and love than drunkenness, immorality, and dissensions. And that while the world kept saying, well, God just doesn't want you to have fun. Yeah, God wants you to have fun, but He wants you to have an abundant life. One full of meaning and purpose. Not one that at the end means nothing. So verse 25, he says, if we live by the Spirit, and he's saying, if you became born again, because that's how you become born again, that's how you become alive, is that the Spirit indwells in you because you have believed in the Son of God. And that you have confessed that He is your Lord and Savior. Having done that, you are now made alive. And if you've been made alive by the Spirit, then Paul says, then let us also walk by the Spirit. It makes no sense to say, okay, I'm born again, but now I'm going to live a life that, like I was dead. Let's be consistent in what we do with the Spirit. So Paul says, if you've been born by the Spirit, then live by the Spirit. It's almost the same argument that he made earlier saying, well, how is it that you, the Spirit came to you? Did it come by keeping the law or did it come by faith? Well, if it came by faith, then stay in faith. And he's saying, if you've been born again, if you've been quickened in your spiritual birth, then it only makes sense to live, to walk in that way. Then he says, let us not become boastful, challenging one another, envying one another. Then he's going to go on and talk about um, how to deal with interpersonal relationships and sins. But the situation is this. God did not call you to turn over a new leaf. He called you to die to yourself and live to Him. He called you that His Spirit may dwell in you so that you don't have to do these things. Notice it's not deeds of the Spirit. It's not a deed of... It's the Spirit living in you, resulting in the change in you, that your character and who you are becomes different. I don't become a better Joe Davis. I become more like Christ. Because the best Joe Davis I could ever be surely is lacking. But becoming like Christ is a worthy goal, but one that I cannot achieve. It is the Spirit that works in me and works in you that changes us. And certainly I will love people who love me. But that's not what God has called us to do. God has called us to love others as He has loved us. Sure, it's easy to be kind to people who are kind to me, but God has not called me to commit random acts of kindness, but to be kind. Not do deeds of kindness, but to be kind. He has told me to be patient. 
again, that's different. It's, it's one thing to say, okay, I, you know, I can be patient with my kids. It's another thing to be patient with other people. It's not a matter of how you act, but who you are. Joy. Again, you can't legislate joy. You can't make people be joyful or not be joyful. Although it seems easier to make them not joyful than joyful. Because we always seem to get off wrong tangents. Notice it doesn't say happiness. Because happiness depends on happening. Joy depends on who you know. So that I may be filled with the joy of the Holy Spirit. So, people, the Holy Spirit has called you if you're His. If you're not His, He's still calling you. And once He's called you and once you've become born again, He just doesn't want to leave you there. He wants you to be more like Jesus. He wants to transform you into that. So if you look at these characteristics, again, I say it over and over, they're the characteristics of God. Today we celebrate Father's Day. Sometimes we are told we look just like our dad or we act just like our dad. And depending upon how old we are or what kind of father we have, we either take that as an insult or a compliment. If you're a teenager, it's usually an insult. And you make all kinds of promises. I'll never say what my dad said. Until you lie to yourself and then all of a sudden, at a certain age, you find saying the very same things your dad said. And so for those of you who have never had a good father, the awesome thing is God wants to be your father. And He wants you to grow to have characteristics like Him. He wants people to see Jesus in you. But you can't do that by the do's and the don'ts. You do that by surrendering to the Spirit. The Spirit wants you to be like Jesus. Our church prayerfully and hopefully want you to be like Jesus. We're here to encourage each other, to sustain each other. And when it's difficult because of life circumstances or difficulty or illness or whatever it is, and you may think that you can't make another step, that we're here to pick you up and carry you until you can walk again. And then when another can't get up and walk, or maybe it's me, you carry me until I can walk again. Because that's what we do because that's what Jesus did. He loved. He showed us exactly what God was like. And today, He's physically not here, but He called us to be His body. That His church might show who He is in this world.
And the church cannot show who he is unless each member of the church shows who he is. We are only as strong, if you will, as the weakest link. But we're all in this together. And so I encourage you, as Paul has encouraged, you have a choice. You can take your faith and say, I have it, thank you very much. I'll see you when Jesus comes or when I get to heaven. Or you can say, I want the Spirit to so dwell in me that people not only see one or two or three or four of the various descriptions of the fruit, but not only that I have started fruit, but that that fruit develops and is ripe so that it might sustain others. The whole point of fruit is to look at it and say, oh, isn't it pretty? It's to feed. It's to nourish. So even in our becoming more like Christ, we become more like Christ because it's not about us. It's not about winning a brownie point about how the fruit has developed in me, but that I might serve you. So, this is a call and a reflection that isn't where you step out or you say, okay, I'm going to do that. It's something that you make a conscious decision to crucify yourself and let Christ live in you. Let the Spirit come so that you are no longer doing things, but you're being who He's called you to be. And the Holy Spirit is there to do that. And this church is here to assist you in doing that. And all God's people said,